Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, before we get started, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast, especially in the past two episodes. If you haven't listened to the past two episodes, you can definitely go do that in the feed right below this episode, in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. But uh, this week, I want to talk about something that sprung to mind First, when I was watching, when I was rewatching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which I recently did, um, I want to say a couple weeks ago now, but um, also when I was watching, you know, Akame, Akame Got Kill, which if you haven't heard my um, episode on that, I did not like kind of at all. Um, but, and that is the ability of a show to appeal to both sides of, to both, to all, to all people, not just, like, shonen bros, or, like, the, the shoujo beat crowd, which is what I always think of, um, even though I don't think shoujo beat even exists anymore, but, um, just, so just a quick aside, shoujo beat was a, or maybe still is, I'm not super sure, a, um, Manga mag- magazine that was kind of the answer to uh, Shonen Jump, and it was all like girl focused romance, like manga, and it was it, it was really the the other side of the coin of the sh- Shonen Jump thing. For for I think it's I'm not sure it's still alive. Um, let me look that up, but. What I also, what I, what I really wanted to do was show was kind of take you through what one of the reasons why shows like um, Full Metal Alchemist um, this season I think the like answer the show that's the answer to this is, um, actually, this, like, right now, just shows the best answer to this is actually probably Jujutsu Kaisen, for an oddly different reason, but also a slightly the same reason as Full Metal Alchemist. You can find, you can find this presence in things like Dragon Ball Z, in Yu-Gi-Oh!, in all, in all of the shows that were, like, not just big shows, but, like, massive shows. This is also, this same kind of concept is certainly in things like Attack on Titan. And that is that when you look at a show like, say, um, I'm going to use a, I'm going to use a similarly big show. When you look at a show like, say, Naruto. Naruto is a huge show and it's got, you know, it's got Otaku fans, it's got Fujoshi fans, it's got the, it's got the whole nine. But it's not really. It's definitely a male centric show, you know. Not very many of the female characters of of which there are a ton in that show, are 
super important to the plot all the way through. There, there are there are some like that they introduce for a period of time, like Tsunade, and then they quickly become side characters. Like they become important to the plot for like the moment they're important. And then it quickly becomes like, oh, we've added this character into the mix. And it becomes almost like a story marker. And I think that, um, I think that, that shows like um, Dragon Ball Z avoid this by using their female character in a totally different way. But also Dragon Ball Z does something that's like a key that's a key feature in um, Fujoshi fan. That's a, a key feature in Fujoshi fandom, and Full Metal Alchemist does this too. And that is, uh, and Full Metal Alchemist does it in a joking way, but in a way that can still be taken, that can still be presented as like a serious representation of it in the show. So I'm going to I'm going to bring up a concept in like fandom and fetishes and that's called bara. If you don't know what bara is, bara is a it, it's a fetish for basically muscly, sometimes old, bald dudes. And if you want to know kind of what this looks like, Imagine a body pillow of, say, I'm sure this exists, I'm sure this exists, it has to, or there is no God, of um, Al- Al- of Major Alexander Armstrong from um, Full Metal Alchemist. Imagine, like, they made body pillows of him in the same way they make body pillows of, like, all the waifus, because I'm sure they do. And that's a, a product that would sell to some women, and also some gay men, I'm sure. And so that's the, the, like, he's, like, the kind of a great embodiment of Bara. And one of the reasons why, also, um, Izumi's husband, I forget Izumi's husband, um, Izumi from Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, actually from both Fullmetal Alchemist and Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, but from Brotherhood specifically, That, um, so that kind of style and feel to a character, and oftentimes, um, bar characters are probably himbos too, um, but <laughs> the thing I'm trying to say is that if you look at something like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, one of the reasons why it's so popular is because it doesn't pick a gender path and be like, okay, this is awesome. This is like an awesome, like show that's just aimed at men. It can seem like it can seem from first glance like it has a very male-oriented um, concept, but it's really a universal concept. And the author, who's who's actually a woman, she would go on, I think afterwards. Um, shortly afterwards, to write um, to write the manga for Silver Spoon, which if you've never seen Silver Spoon, I think I did an episode on Silver Spoon. Um, you can go check that 
episode out in the feed in this pot in the feed for this podcast. But um, if you're curious at like the wild swing of like content the that author for Full Metal Alchemist is capable of producing, go check yourself out some Silver Spoon. I think it's on. I'm pretty sure it's still on. Um, what's it called? Um, Crunchyroll, and you can just go watch it. It's a wildly different show than Full Metal Alchemist. But the thing that Full Metal Alchemist does, and specifically Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood does, is by including things like characters who are clearly borrowed characters who are, like, not there for fan service purposes, but certainly useful for fan service purposes. Um, it, especially on the female side of fandom, it gives people a opening to get into the show. And I started to think about this, like, seriously, seriously, when I finally, finally finished off um, the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen yesterday. Like, on a whim, I was done watching um, the 90 millionth episode of um, My Hero Academia. And My Hero Academia also does this, but in a different, but in a way that's more similar to the way um, Jujutsu Kaisen's doing it. And Jujutsu Kaisen takes basically every female character in that show and just makes them a bad bitch. Like, if you if you're screwing with the, like, m- male side of that shonen cast, you kinda know what you're gonna get and you kinda know what you're facing. But if you were to be a bad guy and face, like, Nobara or any of the other female characters, especially especially Nobara, actually, they are fucking ruthless, and it rocks. Like, Nobara is, like, the baddest bitch on the block constantly. And they they make her this, like... The way the show treats her, she's, like, this fucking rotten-to-the-core, pissed-off, just, like going through the throat every time, badass. And honestly, it's so much fun. And the reason it's so much fun is because you don't, you don't get that a lot with, um, with, you don't get that a lot with shonen shows because whether people realize they're not, they are, like, female characters are difficult, are A, difficult for male, can can be difficult for male um, writers to write and have them feel full and interesting and useful. If you look at, um, if you look at Izumi Curtis, I think her name is Izumi Curtis, from um, Full Metal Alchemist, from the Full Metal Alchemist, like, both shows. Her story arc is very much a, like, identifiable story arc for an adult woman to have gone through in that world. If, but if you flip it around and you look at uh, 
male written show like um, Dragon Ball Z and ultimately Dragon Ball Z Super, and you look at um, characters like um, Bulma, like Launch, like um, Android 18, uh, I, those characters are treated very differently. Like Chi Chi, they're always identified ultimately as being like strong maternal figures. And with the exception maybe of Android 18, those characters don't really do much after a point. I mean, Bulma has her whole run in um, in original Dragon Ball, but even there, she's not the one fighting ever. And if if I had to pick a character to watch from those shows, it would be Izumi Curtis every freaking time because it's a more interesting more in-depth character. It's one of the reasons that you you hear young women who are into anime say all the time, like one of my first shows was Sailor Moon. And that's because Sailor Moon was really Sailor Moon and card captures were um, these formative shows for women at a certain at a certain age range because they were shows that were having those conversations. They were shows that were written by, you know, um, I forget her name, the world fucking famous author of Sailor Moon um, and Clamp, respectively, and they. They really, those shows really thought about what a real female action hero could look like. And one of the reasons why um, the card captures um, adaptation, I'm going to call it an adaptation. I'm going to be kind and call it an adaptation, not a travesty. Um, For Kid WB, didn't work so well, was so trash, was because they undid that section of the show. And, like, I have fond memories of that show because it has, um, a goof, because it has a goofy, um, fun opening. But the bottom line is I probably also have fond memories of that show because it was being reworked to be targeted at me specifically, at, at, like, young boys, where it was originally written to be targeted at young girls. And the reason why I'm talking, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I, I think it's really interesting, like, the, the way shows not only get popular, but retain popularity, like, hold on to it is by making a world in which both exist. In which, you know, badass male characters exist alongside um, badass female characters. 
if you've been in the anime YouTube scene lately, especially if you've been, like, deeper than I usually go, you probably, um, heard of Noralities, and there's been a lot of controversy because she went after, um, she went after some big pillars of the, of the anime world, uh, of the anime world right now. So she, she went after things like Isekai, and she went after things like um, Dragon's Maid, um, and all and all of these like big brands in the anime world, and she picked fights with them because, or, or at least if you watch the reaction videos and stuff, you that are around, you would assume she picked fights with them. Really, what she did was she wrote essay which she wrote essays and presented essays that were critical of these shows for reasons that nobody really caught on to because sometimes anime fandom can be uncritical of things because A, we just don't think of it because because we're not our brains are not in that critical mode for that show, for that show at that time in that way. Or B, we've existed alongside the stuff that should be that should be criticized so long that we're like, oh yeah, you know, lowly characters are just a thing. They've always existed in, they've existed for a long time in anime. Moe is a thing. Whatever. Or, or it can be even as simple as you're talking about a show from the people who their breakout show with K-On. It's like one of the like crystallizations of the Moe Blob show. And I, it, what struck, what, what strikes me about this is that. I mean, all the detractors for moralities are not, it's not that all of them were men, and it's, it's certainly not that all of them were men. The first, um, reaction video I saw was actually from a female VTuber, but the thing is, is that it's not, neither side is right. The criticism that they have going, that morality seems to be leveling against all these things, is like, where is the stuff, where, where is the stuff for female fans who want things that are centered on females? My guess is that she's not looking at things like Noragami, where Noragami is basically a modern story about about old gods, one of which is a homeless dude, the main character of which seems to be a homeless dude, and there's a character in that named Bishamon, and Bishamon, and Bishamon's entire point is to just be a bad bitch all the time, <laughs> to the extent that Noragami himself is like, I, I suck, don't I? And it... 
it becomes pretty. One of the things that I, one of the things that I knew I needed to do before I started recording a podcast at all, was to get my watch list count to a kind of astronomical number, which I'm currently I'm like I'm I'm hundreds of shows I'm like multiple hundreds of shows into the anime world, and I've been watching anime for decades. And what that... And the reason why I did that was because in order to talk... I think in order to talk about not not a genre. A genre you can start talking about after you've seen like a core set of things. But in order to talk about a medium, you need a pretty full understanding of it. Um, I got into a fight with, I got, I got into a Twitter fight, which is not a real fight, to be clear, with, um, with, and to be fair, it was part, partly my fault, and I did it on accident, I didn't walk into this interaction wanting to have a fight with Daryl Thorat from Anime World Order, but I think we were, like, talking about, like, where to go find all of Gundam Double O or something, and I didn't realize that the Gundam.info um, YouTube channel is blocked in um, Florida, where he's from, but where he is. So I suggested Gundam.info channel. I'm, I'm like, all of Gundam is all of Gundam is here for free, seemingly. Go watch this, and he's like, it's not, and I, and it's like, if this doesn't work for me, I'm like okay. So I like, quick like a bunny, did a quick search for Gundam Double O, seeing what I could pull up, and there was just a playlist of the entirety of the Gundam Double O, and I just sent it to him. He's like, I'm not gonna pirate this. I'm like, I, I can't help you then. And I forget what the A to B there was, but he was like, you know, he criticized me for what, for reading things like Bleach on the regular, and my response was, I don't just read Shonen Bro stuff, I read and watch and consume everything. For a long time on my Twitter, my Twitter profile, I had professional industrial consumption machine, and I really stand by that, because I... I want a full breadth of what is out there. I want to be able to talk about something as god-fucking-awful as Akamega Kill and also be able to talk about something as charming and sweet as Honey and Clover. I... And... But in order to talk about both of those things, you have to have seen both of those things. And... in terms of a comic kill, that's very clearly aimed at a male audience, and it's not super concerned with what the female side of its audience thinks. And to its detriment, for the sheer amount of female characters they have, they could have made it interesting. I'm not gonna drag that thing through the mud again. I have a whole episode you can listen to that drags that thing through the mud. But my point is is that 
and this is this includes the like Norality's controversy, although it's just it's just a whole bunch of nerds talking past each other on the internet is really what it is. And my point there is is that it's it's not it's not that shows should be for one gender or another gender or one group of people or another group of people. It's not even that shows need to pick a lane in that way. And to be clear, it's fine if, like, somebody makes a show for somebody who is not me. That show can still be good, it can still be fabulous, and you can still love it, even if it's not made for you. You know, there's plenty of reasons to watch Card Capture Sakura. It's a fascinating, fun ride. It is not designed for a 30-year-old man, trust me. But it's still interesting. It's still a good show. Who a show is for does not affect the quality of the show. But I think that people are so starved oftentimes for, like, something that feels like it was made for them because especially especially outside of niche programming like anime everything is being made for the lowest common denominator and everything is being made so has the wide so can hit the widest amount of of check boxes and make the most money off of that because that's the media quote unquote strategy and People miss that if you include something in your show show for everybody, everybody has an opportunity and a way in to enjoy it. So if you look at, like, Jujutsu Kaisen, Jujutsu Kaisen excel, excels for this and because of this in a way that lots of shows don't give themselves the opportunity to. It Because it has these characters who clearly have all these really unique backstories and really um, thoughtful characterizations. Even the characters that feel like side characters feel like whole people in that show. And if you look at Full Metal Alchemist, especially Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, all of that is true in... um, in what's it called in 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 brotherhood too even the side characters feel like they are full people and they feel they feel like they've been dealing with the weight of their they feel like they've been dealing with their consequences to their actions the entire show as well and Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say there shouldn't be representation. I'm not trying to say that there shouldn't be, you know, shows that celebrate that celebrate certain kinds of experiences. I mean, I, when I did my Honey and Clover review, I literally talked about, I, I basically reframed the entire anime. Like, this anime is not about, it's not a romance anime. It is a romance anime, but I'm like, for the purposes of this discussion, this anime is literally about going to art school. <laughs> it is also about going to art school. And, like, what going to art school feels like 
and what that whole dynamic is like between you and a professor and all this other junk. And it, if you have gone to art school and you watch Honey and Clover, you will verbatim get more out of it. But that's not all that's there. And if you look at something like If you look at something like Dr. Stone, Dr. Stone is, and this was, uh, and Morality was picked a fight with Dr. Stone specifically, and I think matched up to Ascendance of a Bookworm. Dr. Stone is very much a show written by a man for men. And if you look at all of the female characters in Dr. Stone, and this part of this is because he used to be a, um, doujin, a doujin and um, arrow manga author, they're all this idealized, almost fetishized, even the um, girl who's like a deep, who's like a, um, who's like a um, pop music fanatic, have a kind of like fetishization to them. Uh, and it's, it, pretty clear but if you look at, but if you go on the other side and you see um, something like say um, what's it called say um, Ascendance of the Bookworm while I haven't seen that show it clearly has a a very kind of like warm, gentle, feminine vibe. And the answer to stuff that people, to stuff that everybody can like really isn't one or the other. And, you know, some of the argument is, is does come down to don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like something, don't force yourself through it. That's just torturing everybody. Unless you're like me and you need to fill out, you need to produce quote-unquote content, and you were like, oh, I've never seen a comic got kill. And then by the end, you're like, now I've seen a comic got kill, and I regret it. <laughs> but I think that we need to give media in general the room to like do something like make a gay superhero like make what was it um that John Lovett always said he said he constantly harps on making the flash gay and that's because he wants some that's because he spent his entire he spends a lot of time watching Marvel movies I'm sure like all of us have and he wants some kind of representation. He wants some kind of real, meaningful representation. But more than that, he probably wants something that feels like is for him in that world. And when I can, I can certainly say this as a person of color, as a, as a person of mixed race, as a person of color, and as a person, as a person with a physical disability. 
when you spend a lot of time not seeing yourself in the media you watch, it gets it an aspect of it can get boring and tedious. And that's never what you come to to entertainment for. So when so when you get to a place where one of the most popular shows of all time is about two disabled kids trying to fix their shit. <laughs> I, of course I'm going to rewatch Full Metal Alchemist again at some point in my life. I, it's about a dude with... It's about a disabled dude who has a prosthetic arm and leg that is the closest to me I will ever get. <laughs> Freaking that show, especially Brotherhood, culminates in, hey, let's get a bunch of disabled people in a room and emotionally traumatize them for the rest of their lives. God damn it. Um, and if I had, um, it's just this the medium is helped by having all people have a voice in it and having all kinds of representation in it. So when something like Jujutsu Kaisen does a character like Nobara and makes her this, like, two-faced, shitty asshole but still says, no, we're going to spend time with this character, and no, she's going to be a great, fun ride of a character in, like, the final fight sequence of the season. And we're going to also make her likable and relatable and feel three-dimensional. That's good for everybody. That that means, like, a grown man can see... Can see this character and be like, she kicks ass, but also a 15-year-old girl who, like, just has been done with dealing with this horse, with the horse shit of the past year and a half can watch this show and just be like, oh yeah, I feel seen. (laughs) Like, like, in my best moments, I feel like I'm her. And that's awesome. And, you know, something being for all audiences shouldn't be... And I'm not saying something being for all audiences, like being for, like, the biggest possible audience that has money to go to a theater. I'm saying something for truly all audiences. Something that is capable of skillfully checking off of skillfully checking all the checkboxes and really checking all the checkboxes shouldn't be something to be derided. I'm not saying you should go after things just because they're popular. And I think that's ultimately what the problem was with Noralities was. She was going after things that were popular for, like, in a way that, like, one of the um, reaction videos basically said like sometimes a goblin is just a goblin and 
this this guy was clearly not taking into account like all the historical everything and all the ways things are clearly used and also you know Japan and Japan can be super racist that's a fact America can be super racist that's a fact but um you don't have to sometimes the best solution is if you don't like something don't watch something there's stuff out there you know go go watch revolutionary girl lieutenant go watch yuri on ice go watch uh, go watch um yurikuma arashi go watch um all of that guy's discography basically um go watch Sarah's online you know the last thing I want, last show I want to talk about in this context is um my hero academia because my hero academia is just like it's the juggernaut of the anime world it has been since it's come out and it looks like it's going to be for at least the near future and the reason why I want to talk about that is because uh, I haven't watched her video on it yet. So everybody says, like, yeah, Noralities can watch My Hero Academia without, um, without objectifying the female cast, but she sure should objectify the male cast a whole lot. And, you know, that's fine. Let people do what they want with 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 their fandom, and let people don't sh- don't shame people when a show is clearly clearly made with a male gaze at point, and clearly made with a female gaze at point. There's a moment in the most recent episode of um, My Hero Academia at the time of this recording where. They're focusing on Mineta, who has the dumbest, all-time, best hero name ever. They just, he just calls himself Grape Justice, which is insane. And he's, like, the size of a footstool, this kid. He, he's, like, a tiny, weird, per baby in a diaper and a fucking zoot suit. It's hilarious. But the place they put the camera is right behind Mina's ass. So you see him talking, but in the top left corner is just butt cheek. And I was just like, oh, that's real male gazy of us. Okay. That's a lot for right now. Excuse you? And in that, th- in that same point, they have opportunities to objectify and you know, show off the male character bodies constantly. And it, all of that and and the female fandom from My Hero Academia has like taken that show and run with it in ways that you only get when a show gets that big. And it but there's no reason to shame people for what the for what the show isn't just 
introducing, it's blatantly taking part in sometimes. And one of the reasons My Hero Academia is so popular is because they have so many kinds of female characters in that show. If you look at if you look at um, Mina, she's very clearly like a old school ganky um, gal type of a character. I, I, they made her purple so they can avoid the blackface problem, but that's what she is. She is like an old school gal from a different era of a show. If you look at um, Uraka, she's a different kind of female character. If you go further out to Class 1B, they've got a bunch of fucking rotten ladies in that, and they're all goddamn great. The Mushroom Girl is terrifying, and you want her to torture you. The lizard lady from the last episode, the one who can split her body into 50 pieces, she's just got fucking fangs. Like, the show is, because it's so popular and because of the manga's style, which is the farthest thing from, um, say, somebody like the Food Wars manga or the manga for Dr. Stone style, which is much more... Um, R-rated, let's say, lends itself to, like, he made a world where he can make any kind of body type for any reason and it's valid. And he he chooses to go ham on that constantly and it's fun as shit. And that is part of what allows that show to have such a vibrant fan base. There needs to be a consideration of everyone who could watch your show. And if you're... Who could be watching a show. And if your reaction is, but I don't care, but I don't care then that's fine. But at least consider it. At, because more than likely, with a show like My Hero Academia, or Ascendance of a Bookworm, or any of those shows the creator of that property looked at the show and said, I could make a show for this demographic. I could make a show for that demographic, but I want to make a show for this kind of person. And if they're really skilled and talented enough, they will take things from other demographics and put them in that show, a la something like Jujutsu Kaisen, pulling from horror and shonen and making, like, serious Fujoshi fucking icons like Nobara or Fullmetal Alchemist pulling from, like, the tradition, the fandom tradition and concept of Bara and pulling it into a real shonen action show that has a really great emotional core. Um, It's just... Stop once you stop looking at things in a really gendered, super narrow way, it can expand the possibilities of who of who could be in this who who could be in the fandom of a show with you. Is really I guess what I'm trying to say ultimately. So now I've con- 
I've continued on for far too long. Um, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday are more um, single-minded conversations about a single show. It's those come out every week. Um, the Sunday shows are more metatextual, more conceptual like this. Um, those come out every Sunday. Um, but until next Thursday, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday edition, and I'll talk to you later.